So we have a very big announcement. Drum roll. Yo, that's a bomb. So we're going to do our second live show. December 2nd. Watch out for it. That's a Wednesday. It's going to be at the Jerome L. Green Space in New York City. The show is called Heaven and Tracy's Kwanzaa Spectacular. Yes. <laughs> We're having a holiday special, guys. I'm so excited. It's going to be so fun. There's going to be surprises and laughs and <laughs> stuff. And maybe some of your favorite guests will be back on. Maybe. We'll maybe see. a little some some. Tickets will probably go very quickly. So follow us on Twitter if you don't already for information so you can jump on those tickets as soon as they are announced. Tickets will be going out Thursday, October 29th. So follow us on Twitter for more details about the time because it will sell out. Mm-hmm. I feel comfortable saying mm-hmm. that. <laughs> Facebook slash another round, Twitter slash another round. Buy a ticket and come see us. We want to see our faces. It's going to be so much fun. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so excited. <laughs> All right, on with the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Heaven. I'm Tracy. And welcome to another round with Heaven and Tracy. West Coast Edition. So we're here in LA, which is why it might sound different. We're in a very tiny stud, even tinier than our tiny stud. <laughs> because we're not in our regular stud, uh, there's no glass separating us from our producers. <laughs> so if you hear people giggling in the back, it's them. <laughs> we wish you could hear their voices more. I know. They be giggling. <laughs> so we're excited for the show today. Why are we excited for the show today? So first of all, we're bringing back my white man quiz. Oh, no. <laughs> So you're excited uh, for me to fail again in front I of am, I everybody. I am, I am, yes. It will be a journey of joy. <laughs> for one of us. <laughs> yes. So we are doing, is this a, a white man's name or just some syllables I mashed together? British edition. The British people already have super they weird names. They be just doing the most already. Uh, <laughs> Anyways, yeah. it's a journey, but it's fun. And then we have a very special guest. Lena Dunham is here. You know her from the TV show Girls and from the movie Tiny Furniture and also from the internet. And she also has a forthcoming BuzzFeed podcast called Women of the Hour. The first episode drops November 5th, so you can go ahead and subscribe now. And we're going to do a segment with her called White Women Gotta Do Better. You're familiar with our segment, Men Gotta Do Better. Mm-hmm. In which we talk about all the ways that men it's are never fucking ending up and list. they need to do better. Yes, long, long list. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we are thinking, you know, this would be dope to do with Lena when we have her here. Yeah, because some white ladies, we love you, but sometimes you also overstep some lines. So, Tracy, uh, this is the British edition of Is This a Real White Man's Name or Did I Mash Some Syllables Together? Oh, no. <laughs> Honestly, the reason I was inspired to do this was that wild story about David Cameron allegedly <laughs> sticking a member, <laughs> uh, his member, <laughs> into a dead pig's mouth. Um, so, basically, live action Black Mirror. Oh, my God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Crazy, right? 
I didn't even put that together. <laughs> and I was like, wow, collectively, just the British, we need to be talking about them more. We What's did. happening we over should. there? Absolutely. You like colonize the world and you think we're not going to make fun of you like <laughs> forever. <laughs> um, so this is just the little chip in that wall. Oh, man. <laughs> Are you ready? No. This is going to be fun, Tracy. <laughs> All right, let's go. All right. First question. Is it Brock, Leah, Hugh, Cumber, Carl Flowers. <laughs> I or see what you're doing. Rue Barnaby. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Yo, I had so much fun making this. <laughs> I feel like it's either, it's one of the, either the second or the third one. <laughs> okay. I feel like Carl Flowers. There are people with the last name Flowers. That mm -hmm. seems like a British last name. Okay. But the one before that was Hugh Cumber. Mm hmm. But like there's a lot of hues going on in Britain. <laughs> yes. There's mad hues in the UK. <laughs> I'm going to vote for Hugh Cumber. Oh my God, that's correct. <laughs> there is a real man out there named <laughs> Hugh Cumber. <laughs> Hugh Cumber. <laughs> Hi, I'm Hugh Cumber. <laughs> Shout out to my um, process of elimination. Yeah, I see you. I go see me, you. Go me. <laughs> okay. mm, mm. All right, our second question Maynard Eckes. Malachi Guinness, Malarkey Adams, <laughs> Maximus Coors. I wish Malarkey Adams was a real name. I don't think it is, but I wish. I'm going to say Maximus Coors. Uh, uh, please say it was Malarkey. It's not Malarkey. Damn I really it. wish. I had a lot of fun with it. <laughs> it's Malachi Guinness what? of uh, the Guinness uh, dynasty. Malachi? Malachi. Next question. Are you ready for this name, Tracy? Yep, let's go. Let's go. Let's do it. Drummond Money Coots, <laughs> Percy Heston Bentley, Bunter Bingham Manners. <laughs> I try to keep a straight face. <laughs> Bunter Bingham Manners or Richard Von Moneyheimer. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna strike out Von Moneyheimer. Okay. <laughs> because that will be my surname after I win some money or make some money. <laughs> okay. Um Money Coots C O O T S C O U T T S. Oh, pardon. Pardon me. <laughs> I'm gonna say Heston Bentley is the actual name. Uh, first of all, it's Percy Heston Bentley. Oh, pardon me. That's what I meant. <laughs> but the right answer <laughs> is Drummond Money Coots. No! <laughs> so I first of all, Money I want to say Bunter is a real name I found. <laughs> but it wasn't his full name. He was like Henry something. And he's like, but my friends call me Bunter. <laughs> oh my God. So he prefers that name. <laughs> but yeah, I saw Drummond Money Coots. Oh my like, gosh. This guy. He is a real posh person who exists, who is a magician. <laughs> and what, from what I read, a magician for the rich. <laughs> I don't even know what, what that means. And he goes by DMC. <laughs> oh my gosh. This keeps getting worse. Real and humans. Worse. Oh my goodness. All right, Tracy, this is the last one. You still got time <sighs> to redeem yourself. And come back and come back. All right. <sighs> this is going to be the worst one. I already know. Take for your time. <laughs> Get through this. I can get through this. Okay. Okay. I won't look at you while Don't you're reading. Maybe that'll be easier. Frim fram. I <laughs> <laughs> can't be. You can't. That can't be a sentence you say out loud. Okay. 
All right, all right. I am actually crying. You got it, you got it. All right, Frim Fram Fiddlesworth. <laughs> Prim Pram Willoughby. Zaquit. Tris Tram Hunt. Rim Ram Pendleton. I'm going to say is one of the last two. So can I have the last two one more time? That was Tris Tram Hunt, Rim Ram Pendleton. <laughs> I vote for Tris Tram. You're correct! Yay! Oh my God, Tracy, I'm so proud of you. <laughs> He's a shadow secretary of state for education. Wow. <laughs> His father's name, Lord Hunt of Chesterton. <laughs> Not a joke. <laughs> also, I want the record to show Frim Frim, the best thing I've ever done in my life. Frim Frim Fiddlesworth. I feel like you should get a rest in peace Frim Frim tattoo. Oh my God. We Let's made it through this. How? Uh, how? All right. That, that was a British edition. <laughs> Tracy, you did great. Yay. Um, that was the I British edition. British people. Okay, barely. <laughs> Not at all. I like to give a shout out to Tatler Magazine. They have a list they come out with every year. The Tatler list, or however they pronounce it. <laughs> that is like 500 real people who exist who are like the Duchess of Cambridge. It's like the 100 <laughs> for rich British people. <laughs> like it's the who's who of that, like that scene. Right, right. So I just went through the entire list. I was like, these are real humans. Were they lots? I don't even have to do much work. Were there lots of names like that? I went through 600 names. <laughs> um, I'm going to read that for fun later. You should. So with us in the makeshift LA studio, <laughs> we're so excited to have Lena Dunham on the show. Honor. Yay. What up, what up, what up? Welcome, welcome. I'm so excited. This is a real fangirl moment for Aww. me. Oh, stop. Don't stop, actually. <laughs> Continue. And, and guys, I do want you to know they are drinking. I can confirm it. <laughs> yes. We've well, actually finished out the bourbon. Like, are you kidding me? Yeah. Can you not hear it? <laughs> No, it's happening. In fact, they switch from wine to something stronger. Because we're professionals. That's why. <laughs> That's why. <laughs> okay. So we always start our interviews with what do you do and why? I feel like people kind of know what you do. I don't know if they know why necessarily. But what do you think you do? Yes. Maybe it's something different. So what That's do you a do great and question. why? My name is Lena Dunham and I'm a veterinarian. <laughs> <laughs> My name's Lena Dunham. I'm a writer and a director and an actor. And um, now I also work on a newsletter, LennyLetter.com, which is a feminist newsletter that comes out every Tuesday. And I do it because, A, I literally don't know how to do anything else. I <laughs> was never able to uphold a job. I was horrible at everything except being a babysitter. But even then, I ate too much of everybody's snacks. And <laughs> also because it allows me to tell stories and talk about issues that are important to me. You're like always working on a million projects. What are you excited about now? My heart and soul and energy have been going to two things. One is Lenny Letter, which is the feminist newsletter that Jenny Connor, my creative partner, and I just launched and that's been an amazing project that's allowed me to like bring together the voices of a lot of women, a lot of people that I really care about. And then I'm also working on a um, podcast for BuzzFeed. Hey. With, hey. I've I heard of BuzzFeed. <laughs> you heard of BuzzFeed? Yeah. I feel really lucky to be entering this family. And um, a producer you may be familiar with, Jenna Weiss-Berman. Oh, hey, Jenna. Ah, that's our pod mom. Is your pod mom <laughs> is working on it with me. And we've been friends for, at this point, 10 years. So it's pretty exciting for us to be able to do something creative. And it really is an extension of sort of like the ethos of Lenny Letter and the ethos of, of Jenna and my um 
Oberlin College feministy, <laughs> liberal, uh, touchy-feely education. And so it's called Women of the Hour. And it's sort of, it's a variety show about women and issues they face and the way that they live now. And it's kind of like the show that I wish I could have listened to at various points in my life. And it's way less about me. I'm sort of just get to be like, I get to be like the Linda Ellerby of Nick News of this show. <laughs> oh my God, Linda Ellerby. Yo, shout out to Nick her. News W5. <laughs> so cool. Yes. I was like, if I meet Linda Ellerby someday, I'll, I can die happy. <laughs> and I haven't, so I won't. Oh my gosh. <laughs> So I think it's you are a celebrity who has been like criticized pretty publicly and like you have made a point to actually respond to criticism, which not a lot of people do. And if they do, they don't do it well. Well, that's so interesting to hear. I feel like I didn't know it wasn't an option. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like the kind of family I come from, like we were always like talking everything out to such a degree. And then I went to like hippie high school. Then I went to liberal arts school. Like. I didn't know you were allowed to just go like peace. I don't yeah. <laughs> la la la. I it's can't a thing. hear you. It's a like, thing. I wasn't sure that was an option. Maybe I would have taken it had I known. <laughs> but, but I'm glad to hear you guys think at least because like lots of the things I've been criticized for are valid. So it's exciting that you at least think I haven't handled it like a total ninny. <laughs> I mean, the other way to respond is either to be like super super defensive mm-hmm. or just not say anything. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you feel like have been like the best pieces of criticism you've gotten? I, I can't remember what interview I was listening to, but you were talking about how I think you were quoting Judd Apatow about something like good criticism can come from anyone. Yeah. Which is an even amazing. if they're trash. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Which is why, like, OK, here's an example. Like when I was about to go on my book tour and I had held like a contest for people to submit videos of themselves to open for me on tour. And I hadn't thought about the fact that, like, yeah, those people should be paid. I was like, it's a contest. And, it's a, you know, like, I'd been worrying about so many different angles of the book tour that I just hadn't really considered that. I'd considered, like, you know, how do we get them there? And what do we feed them? And uh, But I just kind of, my brain hadn't gotten there. It was really full of stuff. And an article in Gawker came out saying, like, this is BS. My distaste for Gawker is, like, fairly well documented. <laughs> but that, But they weren't wrong. And I fixed it immediately because a good piece of criticism can come from anywhere and like Mm. even if i don't think they're necessarily like every day out there fighting the good fight in that case they were correct and like you have to hear it and i think other really good criticism has come from like super well-informed like i know jenna wortham who i'm sure you guys know who's so brilliant wrote a beautiful piece right at the beginning of girls being on the air about like not seeing herself reflected in the show And it was powerful and it was thoughtful and I couldn't help but stop and think and take notice because I was like, this isn't someone who's coming from like, it's often hard to hear criticism when someone is like coming at you again and again and again. It's off. You kind of shut down in a very natural fight or flight way. But she I'm not trying to like, as they say, tone police anyone, but she just made such a compelling argument. And I have so much respect for her. I was like, there's just no way that I can't hear this and internalize this and Mm. actually when she and I met I hugged her and I was like thank you for teaching me (laughs) things and she was like don't touch me (laughs) (laughs) having people call you horrible things on the internet and send you awful pictures of aborted fetuses oh my god I've been getting tagged in a lot of aborted fetus pictures lately Jesus Christ how do you take care of yourself in the midst of all this like even when the criticism is good and is valid I mean somebody who is so who is as visible as you are I mean like a million people have access to you and like your phone and like your home like wherever you are like how do you take care of yourself in like the middle of like a barrage of just like 
awful shit that I'm sure comes to you like all the time? Such a good question. And it's definitely taken time. And it's definitely taken like my family being like, you need to shut your phone off now. And if you don't, we're going to mm. take it away from you. Mm-hmm. And if you look for it, we're going to tie you to the bed. Like I, <laughs> we, I've definitely had people who love me be like, you're not taking care of yourself. You're not looking out for yourself and you're not prioritizing your own mental health. You're just like sitting there, like ingesting this stuff, like fast food, trying to find a different answer. But the answer is always going to be there are some angry people and there are some less angry people. (laughs) And so, you know, I think like when it's good criticism, I try to respond and then just like sort of go like, I've done what I can do and I'm not going to respond to every little response that comes my way. Like I've contributed what I can to the dialogue and now I will try to be aware moving forward. And I've literally, and I've said this before, like I have someone who goes on Twitter for me and tells me like, your friend tweeted at you, or it sounds like a ridiculous luxury to have someone who you sent email your tweets to. It sounds just like <laughs> the dumbest, it sounds like I the dumbest, like extra stupid service to pay for. But I realized <laughs> that like, I didn't have the self-control not to check my mentions and my mentions were never not going to be like vaguely violent and mm, that's just mm. not stuff. So I was like, that just basically has to be like a work expense for me mm. in order to protect myself. Because I think that like so many of us, I'm sure you guys get horrific tweets sometimes. I mean, there's people who find you. I mean, hopefully most of the people are tuning in because they fucking love you, but occasionally... Oh, it happens. Trolls are everywhere. <laughs> yes. Yeah, trolls They're are everywhere. everywhere. And, you know, when you read that stuff, you try to go like, oh, this guy's an idiot. He lives in his mom's basement. But it's really not natural to like be internalizing that kind of like verbal violence like think about it what if getting used to that is not Mm -hmm. good no think about if you were like walking down the hall at school and someone was like hey fat cow i wish you were dead and then someone else like shoved you into a locker and was like you you don't deserve a show your mom is a whore like you would take that in and so the internet is just this weird endless school hallway and you need to find a way (laughs) it's a great metaphor (laughs) yes you talk pretty openly about uh, mental health stuff in general, and it like yeah. appears in your show. But you've been in therapy since like you were a kid. Seven, it's seven, twenty-two years. I'm about to clock in twenty-two years wow. on the couch. Happy birthday! Thank you so much. <laughs> I'm um, really proud. Happy anxiety anniversary! <laughs> right. They're giving me a star on the anxiety walk of fame. Oh, goals, goals. But do you do you remember what it was like to be diagnosed? I remember really well because I was. I had OCD symptoms from the time I was like six, but I think my, it's very hard sometimes to differentiate a sick kid from just like an oddball kid. And obviously my parents were like, we don't want to put a child on medication just because they're like hiding gummy bears behind a bed or whatever, (laughs) hoarding gummy bears. Like that may just be a facet of her creativity or her personality. And I think they noticed that I was becoming like increasingly uncomfortable in my own skin. And actually I'd been in therapy, but hadn't, for my anxiety and for some of my sort of like ticks and twitches and things, but hadn't actually had a firm diagnosis or um, the recommendation of medication. And I was actually sitting with my mom in like, I was waiting for her at like the beauty parlor and looking through the magazines. And there was an article about a woman with obsessive compulsive disorder. And I just thought like, oh, I'll read this. I love, you know, scandalous things. And it turned out not to be scandalous. It turned out to be like an exact description of the Mm. inside of my mind. Mm. And I kind of brought it over to my mom and I was like, Mom, I think I have this. And then she like asked them. She was like, "Can we take this magazine?" And she like cut it out, and I brought it to my therapist. Wow. And I was like, and at that time, I think I was eleven. And then I didn't go on medication for another two years because I tried lots of other stuff. Because at the time, people like 
I mean, I feel like there's less stigma around medication than there was maybe 15 years ago. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And Definitely. I also like my mom was the mom who was always like, you've strep throat, well, we're going to give you a series of essential oils and then <laughs> you can't have dairy for two weeks. Like she would always try to do it like the natural way. Yeah, yeah. And so it took a while before I could say like, hey, I really need some help here. And just talking about it isn't going to be enough. And what I really love is now sometimes parents will come to me when they have a kid who's having issues and ask me about it or ask me sort of like about my own diagnosis or and I love saying to them like there is no right answer the only right answer is just like finding comfort for Mm. your kid I started medication probably about five years ago maybe and even then it was tough but I'm sure it wasn't as tough as it was like 10 20 years ago was it did you have that feeling where you're like I felt like defeated like I can't control my own brain Mm -hmm. also um quick detour um at the time my ex-boyfriend, I was talking to him because I was living in Philly and I didn't really have any like close yeah. friends, you know, and even though like he was my ex and I was like, Ugh, I need to talk to somebody and you're it. Congratulations. I was like, <laughs> so hypothetically, what would you think about somebody if they took a medicine because they were like stressed out and they just like couldn't get it together? Would you think they were weak? And he was like, <laughs> hypothetically, of course. Question. Yeah. <laughs> and he was just like. Yeah, and I was like, "Oh shit, fuck!" Well, what? this is my only option. You know, you were my only person to go to, mm-hmm. so it took me after that. Like, even though it was somebody that I knew wasn't like good for me, like just knowing that somebody that I thought highly of thought that way, I was like, "Well, that's it. I'm never gonna like whatever. I'm just gonna suffer in silence because you know I don't want to lose the disrespect to somebody that I'm not even with anymore." You know, so it took me years after that, a couple years to get over like the thought of like oh somebody might think that I'm like crazy or like Mm. weak or whatever whatever I had to take the my medication at camp and so you had to go to the nurse to get your medicine and so Mm. I would like tell my friends it was vitamins which like Mm. I don't think that they really believed because no one else at camp was on vitamins. You were just so advanced. From a nurse only. Yeah, that you need to get delivered from that are so dangerous that you need to have them handed to you <laughs> Crazy by the nurse. Vitamins. But yeah, I was so self-conscious about it. Whereas now I would tell anyone who is struggling to do that because it's like, I mean, this is such a simple metaphor, but my friend Jenny always says it. She's like, if you had diabetes, you wouldn't be like, no, I want to be tough and not take insulin. Yeah, like I'm just gonna pass. I'm just gonna pass <laughs> and keep it real chill. So to switch gears a little bit, mm-hmm. I want to talk a little bit just about, I mean, you are very young, but it still feels like you've been doing it for a minute now. So you know some things. <laughs> it's weird. I was realizing I wrote, I'm going to be 30 in May, but I st- wrote the girls pilot when I was 23. And so it's like, it's been a, cra- I mean, you know, in the scheme of life, six years isn't a very long time, but it's definitely like, I no longer feel like a complete newbie at my job, which is different and exciting. Lovely. That sounds nice. <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking a lot about how there's so much like there are a lot of young girls who want to do like a web series or like make it into TV or film. But like no matter how much you read about it or like try to follow people on Twitter, like there's just so much you won't know. Yeah. As Donald Rumsfeld quoting (laughs) Rumi might say. I love it when you quote unknowns. There are. You don't even know what you don't know about it. It's so true. So (laughs) like just as a person who's been on the inside for a little bit now, do you feel like there are things you wish people had told you or like advice you would give someone that you just can't see from the outside. I think something that I thought a lot about because speaking of web series, it's funny you say that. Like the way that I started out was like I made a web show, then I made an independent feature that cost $3,000, then I made another web show, then I made an independent feature that cost a little more than that, which went to film festivals, which led to me being able to do girls. So a lot of it, it all came from self-generated content. Mm. And so 
I think people spend all this time being like, I'm going to apply for a job to be an assistant at an agency so I can talk to someone who will know someone. And it's like, you just should make things. You have to make things. And now we live in this time where it's like, yes, making movies is expensive, but also like there's people making full feature films that get seen in movie theaters on their iPhones. Like the technology is no longer this massive barrier. As you guys know, like you guys are hit podcasters, but someone could start a podcast in their own closet. And I think that's really important. And then once you like have doors in the industry open for you, I think it's really important not to feel as though you need to fulfill holes that you see. Like I remember I came to LA and I was like, what should I write? A How I Met Your Mother spec script? Like I didn't know <laughs> what I was supposed to do. I that's thought I was just- a smart move. Yeah, I was like, should I try to write on bones? Like I just didn't know what the goal was because I thought the goal was to like get there and then fit yourself into a pre-existing mold. But mm. The fact is, is like, I think a lot of the most radical voices that have entered our like entered Hollywood are people who were just like I'm gonna make something that I want to make and then it's gonna lead to making more things that I want to make like anyone from like Ryan Coogler to Amy Schumer is like making the thing that they want to see in the world as opposed to the thing that they think is gonna fit the industry standard and I think we're finding more and more that audiences are discerning and that they want to watch things that have like a specific creative voice and they don't actually want to watch like the 17th reboot of a reboot of a reboot. <laughs> listen, listen. Yeah, I feel like they really try to sell you that like upward mobility narrative. Yeah. You'll be assistant and then a page and then so much more. Yeah, totally. <laughs> when really it's feel like, like Kenneth from 30 Rock. <laughs> yes, and like that could be the case for someone, but it's not like nah, there's just that one happened path. to one person and they kept telling that yeah, story. Yeah, totally. One to person. like get the interns riled up. Exactly. <laughs> I don't buy it. I don't buy it. Okay, I have some very important questions that I must have you answer before you leave. Okay. Um. So Malia Obama, don't know if you've heard of her. I think you may have. We are super huge fans. She's an amazing person. I had actually met her. Jack and I went to the White House once because he was playing at a picnic for veterans in 2013. As one does. As one does. (laughs) Greatest day of my life. We have a picture of us with the Obamas and his parents are in the picture too, but we cropped them out. Oh my God. Because they were on the two it ends. Like that sometimes. And we were like, you know what? This We want this to look more it's like a double moment. date and yeah. less like a triple date. Yes. <laughs> Speaking of the president of the United States, this is where Speaking I was going with this. Um, wait, let me, so before I talk about Barack Obama, I have to make sure I look okay. You do. So. You look gorgeous. I actually looked okay? at your boobs before then was where oh, you would Oh, great, great. Okay, I'm ready. So what does President Barack Obama smell like? I was so, when I met him, which was only once, I was so starstruck that it was actually like hard for me to understand anything that was happening. Mm -hmm. But I remember thinking he seemed clean and cool. Okay. (laughs) Like he had a vibe of being like, and I don't just mean cool, like cool because he runs the country or like cool because he has like, you know, been really important in changing um, the way that like the entire uh, population views like african-americans or the fact that he's been um an essential part of like you know bringing women's rights um to the forefront or that he's like any of the important things that he's <laughs> right, done right, right, i mean right. he seems cool like you would want to hang out with him like, like listen to some cool. music oh my gosh oh man he's yeah, like a person you'd like see at college higher. and be like that guy's cool yeah yeah he smoked in college we would have totally and I been believe friends. <laughs> i said to michelle obama you're the greatest person who's ever lived and she said uh, <laughs> Thank you. Yes, Aww. Michelle. If you're listening, we love you. Also, I think I need to note that Jack brought a present for the girls and we like walked into the White House and they were like, we'll take this and give this to them, which is like great code for like, we're going to throw this on yes. a garbage <laughs> chute. We're going to give it to the 
poison tasters. Yeah, because you can't bring <laughs> stuff into the White House for freaking children. <laughs> yeah, probably not a smart move. Okay, so we have literally like 75,000 and three other questions that we wanted to ask you, but we're going to switch gears and go to a segment that we like to call Pew, 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 Pew. pew, pew. Um, (laughs) If you are unfamiliar, this is our rapid fire question segment. (laughs) Rapid-ish. Take literally all the time that you need. You know, we just have to explain away the finger gun somehow. So Yeah, Pew, Pew, Pew. Yeah, there you go. Thank you Um, for being so understanding. I love it. (laughs) This is the most relaxed I've ever felt. Given the name of the segment. Yes. Um, Okay. So (laughs) if you could teleport, right? Mm -hmm. Stay with me. Mm -hmm. But every time you teleported, you appeared in a different place and you appeared in the body of a squirrel. Would you do it? If if being in the body of a squirrel was the penance you had to pay for teleporting wherever you wanted to go, would I ever get to go back to my own body, or would I be a squirrel? Not until all the you time? teleport back to where you came from. You just and have to stay a squirrel. So I could teleport to different places <laughs> and times in history. I don't know. Or if just it's times. Like just I could teleport travel. to yeah, like yeah. Not time I could travel. teleport to like Morocco, mm-hmm. yeah. but I'd be a squirrel there the entire yes. time then, you're in Morocco. You're a squirrel. And then I can come back here and, and I'm not you. a squirrel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd do it. I mean, I don't know. Here's the issue is that like, it depends on what my goals were. Like if I'm trying to gather intelligence, I'm not going to get much as a squirrel. Mm. I don't know. You can like scurry yeah, away. Depends. You can like yeah, hang out in chimney things. Sure. It's always good to have another skill in your arsenal. You don't have to use it all the time. Yeah. I love how many follow-up questions you have. Thank you. Sorry. I was just like, I need what to be super clear like? to know what I'm agreeing to. So does this mean that you are in favor of squirrels? Like, how do you feel about squirrels? I love squirrels. Oh in my fact, God, we should have started with this question. <laughs> Interview over. <laughs> I'm so sorry. You're bad. I think they're cute. I was recently in Wyoming and I saw a chipmunk and I screamed, oh, it's a mountain squirrel. And everyone started <laughs> laughing at me. It's, oh my God. Does anybody call chipmunks mountain squirrels? No, I made it up. Oh, okay. <laughs> but I didn't know I made it up till I was told. I feel like that's insulting to chipmunks. Mm. Maybe Wait. rethink I get it. it. I enjoy chipmunks. They're really cute. I don't like a rat. Okay. Two points. You guys, you went back two of your points. Thank you. Um, What is the worst date you've ever been on? Okay. This is actually a good one and it involves gossip, which is it was with Alex Karpovsky who plays Ray on my show. Oh my God. I thought we were on a date. He didn't. Oh my God. Year 2009. Oh man, this is the worst already. And we went to see a movie and then we went to Veselka, which is like the good pierogi place in East Village. And he made us move tables like six times because they'd be like shaky, then drafty, then we'd be too close (laughs) to someone with a loud voice. And I was like already so embarrassed because he made us move tables so many times. (laughs) Then I think he didn't have money. And then he just was like, he he just was like, I was like, are you going to walk me to Subway? And he was like, no. And then... Later, someone was like, oh, he has a serious girlfriend. And I was like, oh. And he then later he was like, I thought it was a business meeting. And I was like, what kind of business meeting? You go to like dinner, ask a girl to movie and dinner. <laughs> That's not a business meeting, sir. So insane. And now he's like my favorite person in the world. But it took me a while to finally be like, what the fuck was up? And he was like, I had no idea it was a date. And I was like, well, then uh, you have problems. Do you yeah, bring this up a lot to guilt him? Business. <laughs> yeah. And I also like to be like, had you known the opportunities I would afford you and where I would end up, would you have wanted it to be a date? Would you have tried a little bit harder? (laughs) (laughs) So recently I uh, went to Babeland. Oh, what people describe it as the the Apple store of vibrators. (laughs) (laughs) 
so I went to buy my friend just got married I was like you know what she needs a vibrator yeah <laughs> how nice so I am so impressed with the state of vibrator technology there's the fancy intense. ones the they, crystal they like, ones that cost more than my apartment does every yeah. month yeah or like they have like USB chargeable ones <laughs> I feel like if James Bond was a woman she'd have that yeah <laughs> it would also turn into a bomb just in case you needed it yes mm-hmm. anyways the actual question is <laughs> yeah as a person who has more money than me are you like privy to a different level of like vibrators this is a great question but it has a kind of interesting answer, which is because our show has a lot to do with sex, we actually get sent a lot of vibrators. Like, um, everyone who works in my office can attest that, like, we will get fucking package upon package <laughs> of vibrator to the point where I'm like, get it out of my filly. Like, I actually feel like, I'm like, if Another I get one more dildo. Edi- dildo, edible underwear, bra with a hole for my nipples, like, what do you think I'm doing at home? I run a business. I don't have time for all this. And so I'm like, kind of irate. I'm like, And also, like, I'm just being totally honest here, and maybe it's just because I'm uninitiated. Like, I've always been a little freaked out by vibrators. Part of it is just that I'm like, I always used to hear those rumors when I was a teenager, like, you get used to it, and then you can never enjoy anything else. (laughs) A man will never be able to feel the shoes. Like, people used to be like, if you have an orgasm on ecstasy, you can never have an orgasm again, which is, like, not true in a while. But there's also the part of me that's like, if I had a vibrator, like, would I ever get anything done again? Like, would I just masturbate all day? It is a little bit of a time suck. So do you not own one? No, I don't, because I'm like, have stuff I have to do. (laughs) (laughs) It's a good reason. Who are some people you feel like are underrated or just aren't getting like covered enough? Amazing question. This is going to sound kind of crazy, but sometimes I feel like everyone's giving all of this like feminist props to everyone but Alicia Keys. Please expand. And I feel like Alicia Keys is this like really talented musician. She owns her own recording studio where my boyfriend spends a lot of time. And like people just take her for granted as like a beautiful voice who's going to turn out great songs. Mm. But they're not remembering that this like bold woman came on the scene at 18 with her piano and was like, hey, guys, I'm not afraid of you. Mm. And has like continued a music career over the long haul and should be like. So, like, I feel like it should be a little bit more like we all fall down and faint when (laughs) Alicia Keys comes out than we actually do. And, like, I'm not saying Alicia Keys isn't doing great. I just feel like among the pantheon of pop goddesses, we're maybe not focusing on her the way that we should. Yo. Yes. I agree. Do you know what I think kind of causes that? What's the name of um, her husband? Oh, Swiss Beats. Yeah, the whole thing. Like, I think that got her labeled a home record, which I take a deep and personal offense to. Because like, the guy was also present. Exactly. <laughs> Honestly, like, it's his job to honor the commitment that he's made, yeah. first of all. And then, like, yeah, you know what? It's People like, take home wrecking really seriously. They do. <laughs> People take home wrecking yeah. way more seriously than I take home wrecking. Like, when I hear stories <laughs> like that, I'm always like, it not just takes two to tango, it takes three to tango. Yeah. Right. You don't know what the wife was up to. You don't know what the mm. other wife was up to. You just don't know it's what just was always going the on. other woman. As I like to say, you can't wreck a home that doesn't already have cracks in the foundation. Ooh, That's hard. Oh, it's true. My grandmother, as my grandmother Dorothy Simmons likes to say, you can never see behind a anyone's bedroom doors <laughs> okay here's here's one of my weird twitter oh, man. tweet questions um, from the mind of tracy i think i tweeted this like in 2013 so, so it's been from the so from you can't the... claim age <laughs> <laughs> just weird okay so okay okay let's be adults audience let's be adults okay so if somebody had fingers growing out of their elbows and they ask you for a high five. 
would you give them one? Yes. <laughs> Not because I wanted to, but because uh-huh. I feel like if I didn't, it would be like offensive mm-hmm. and ableist. Yeah, that's a good reason. That's a that's good logical. I would be doing it purely reason. for political correctness uh-huh. reasons. Because if there was a, if they had a whole separate hand coming out of their elbow, mm-hmm. we know that would be stressful. Right. I'm very impressed with the ease with which you answered that question. <laughs> Thank you. So here's a weirder one. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> this one is not from my brain. I stole it from the internet. Um, okay, great. Would you rather have pubic hair for teeth or? teeth for pubic hair oh my god tracy 100 teeth for pubic hair <laughs> why doesn't even sound that bad to me i don't know it seems like it's like it's good it like limits it in a way it's like you know that if a guy's like down with you and you have teeth for pubic hair he's <laughs> really down he loves you yeah he loves you for who you are i feel like that means you would have to go to a dentist to get a bikini wax Tooth extractions cost a lot of money, right? That's crazy. I hate how See? much you've thought about this. You have so you to want to hear one of my favorite ones? Absolutely. Would you rather have an orgasm every time you see your parents? No. Nope. I don't remember <laughs> who told me this one. Or explosive diarrhea every time you see your crush. <gasps> That's rude. <laughs> that is so rude. I remember being asked, I literally don't know. Uh, I don't know. My no. mom listens to this podcast. I'm not going to answer. I don't know what an orgasm is anyway. Yeah. I spend too much time in church to dabble in the devil's, the devil's activities. Yeah. It's stressful, though. It's very... I started to sweat a little bit. It's yeah. pretty So before we let Lena go, we are going to do a version of Men Gotta Do Better that we are calling White Women Gotta Do Better. Bloop, bloop, bloop. Thrilled to be involved. Bloop, bloop, bloop. Most excited to be at. It's <laughs> an honor just to be nominated. <laughs> yeah, so usually, you know, we have a never-ending list of uh, things men are doing horribly. Because there's yeah. so many. So yeah, we're just going to talk a little bit about ways white women can do better. And one of the reasons that we wanted to do this with you is because um, I feel like we see lots of terrible like white feminist woman tears going on a lot in public (laughs) Um, and you seem to be someone who is very comfortable with like learning in public like whenever like there's an outcry whenever you get caught out on Twitter whenever there's like a really legitimate concern raised about X, Y, or Z you don't tend to publicly like but I would have marched with Martin Luther King yes. back in the day. I feel had so I had the chance. Right, right, right. That means a lot. Thank you. <laughs> and I will try to keep that up and not ruin my luck. Godspeed. Godspeed to Thank you. Thank you. A thing that I get asked a lot by white women at speaking engagements, they're always like, so there are times when oh, I want to no. have these conversations on Twitter, but I don't want everybody to like, blah 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 or like I said this thing and then everybody was so mean to me and like what do I do what was the panel what they about? really mean is like please make me feel better because yes. I'm yep. very uncomfortable with the sense exactly. that I've done anything to offend anyone and the idea that I'm not the perfect liberal model of liberal feminism that I thought I was. It's very uncomfortable for me, so I would love your help. Yes, so I would like for you <laughs> to teach our white women listeners who may have this particular question. Maybe they've been called out and they freaked out. Maybe they don't engage in conversations online because they're afraid of getting called out. As someone who has been called out, how would you counsel your sisters <laughs> as to what to do and how to handle the situation? What to do, what not to do, et cetera. Sisters. <laughs> I your folks well, get your cousins. Get your cousins. 
<laughs> Something that I think is important is that I think sometimes white ladies, whether they're well-intentioned or not, it doesn't really matter. And I've been this person. Say something that they think is like super supportive. Be Like, I think I saw this a lot around like Ferguson and the non-indictment in Ferguson. Say something that they think is supportive that then starts more of a conversation, but they're not really prepared for the conversation. They kind of just wanted to be like applauded mm-hmm. for saying the right thing that their black friends could go like, yeah, you did a really great job. Yeah, pat on the back. Pat on the back. <laughs> you are a good white person. You're a good white person. And then move along and they're not actually prepared for the dialogue that comes up and I think like something that is really important is just to listen like if you don't know just listen like you don't need to have an opinion about everything or you can express condolences or express horror without expressing like an opinion on an issue that you may not have really faced in your life and I think the other thing is like you kind of have to trust that if you're told that something is hurtful or racially insensitive by a woman of color like they know better than you. Mm. Just like I don't really want a guy to explain to me why something's not misogynistic. They mm-hmm. really don't need a white person to explain why something actually isn't racist because really the only qualification for something being offensive is that it offends you. <laughs> and so those are two things that I think are like really important lessons. And then women, people, all of us get caught up in this thing of trying to explain ourselves and explain ourselves and explain ourselves. And it actually makes it worse. And it's like, rather than going like, but I didn't mean it this way and get in my head with me and understand how I meant it. Just go like, I'm really sorry. The last thing I ever want to do is make you feel that way. Thank you for the feedback. Like Mm. there's just no other, there's just no other good answer. Mm -hmm. I, I was thinking about a few things as a women's studies major, but it's mm-hmm. not really major because I didn't finish, but whatever. As a person who enjoys women's studies, <laughs> <laughs> I remember reading about like different generational differences in feminism and mm-hmm. how like especially 80s, 90s, some of the choice metaphors were like matricide mm. to describe like the younger generation of white women specifically, like rebelling against their mother's like gender values. Maybe it was more of the 80s. And I remember learning that the like dramatic as hell it is, and then like other metaphor people were using, a lot of brown feminists were using, were like in search of my mother's garden. You Mm. know what I mean? (laughs) Like just differently. (laughs) Did you feel like your mom was the person who taught you about your feminism? I feel like my mom gave me an amazing starting point because my mom is like a really radical woman who came to New York City, wanted to make art in what was a very very male art world fought super hard rallied around the issue of roe v wade like has a really strong sense of what just like a really strong innate sense like more just an innate sense about feminism rather than like a ton of rhetoric although Mm. she has you know read the books and marched the marches and i think she gave me a really great starting place but my mom is also like a jewish girl from long island who grew up you know in a very specific way who and so there was like a lot of stuff that I needed to learn from other women and other sources not because my mom's not a brilliant genius but because a full feminism involves like understanding a range of experiences and not just that like your mom is a really great place to start and then you've got to kind of jump off and start engaging other people because like my mom is my world but she's not the world Mm -hmm. what was important to your like feminist education like pop culture wise or like book wise that's such a great question I mean it's interesting like my mother was a part of this group women's action coalition which was like a downtown new york women's group that did that was very very active even after roe v wade became the law of the land in mm. making sure that women had like safe and healthy and access to 
reproductive health and rights. And that was something that was like on my mind from a super early age. I remember going to like a Women's Action Coalition meeting with her. We were like, you know, coloring in a picture of Susan B. Anthony in the back and like (laughs) learning about Harriet Tubman and Sojourner Truth. And like, and that was really incredible and important. I remember even, this sounds so kind of crazy, but just staying up late and like watching Nick at night and watching Mary Tyler Moore and being like, oh, there's a show about a lady who like doesn't have a husband and Mm, it's kind of trying to figure it out. And even as a little kid, I understood that I was watching something that was so different than Mm. I Dream of Jeannie or Bewitched or any of the other shows that my mom weirdly allowed me to watch instead of Full House. (laughs) And then later on when I got to Oberlin is when I really started to read about feminism. And it's when I first took a gender and women's studies class and like a class about like, you know, the history of women in labor and really started to read seriously everybody from like, you know, Asada Shakur to Betty Friedan and try to get a sense of like the kind of actual like intellectual heritage of Mm. the whole thing. And that was really important in a different way. I was also totally throughout high school, like obsessed with Riot Girl, everything, like anything that was coming out of like Seattle, Portland between like 1992 and 2001 Mm. was like extremely important to my understanding of myself. And I was like, why was I born in this provincial town called New York City and I could have lived in Portland? <laughs> Are there any um, books or articles or songs that you would recommend to white women who were maybe like looking to expand their intersectionality knowledge or repertoire, as they say in France? Look at you, Tracy. Wow. <laughs> yes. So... <laughs> One of my favorite people in the world, who I know you guys know too, is Miss Ashley C. Ford. Yes. I've heard of this lady. You've heard of this hey, lady. Ashley. Hi, lovey. And Ashley wrote an amazing piece for BuzzFeed called, I believe, 10 Books You Need to Read to Be a Black Feminist. And it was how I got introduced to Ashley's writing and it started our whole beautiful friendship. But she introduced me to the book Divided Sisters, which is about kind of what is beautiful and what is complex about women from different racial and ethnic backgrounds and religious backgrounds being close. And it's written by a black woman and a white woman who are super close friends. And they talk a lot about, like I remember being really affected by something in the introduction where the white friend says that she thought the way to be a good friend was to pretend she didn't see color. And Mm. her black friend was like, but that actually made me feel like you didn't see me. And Mm. that was a huge like kind of turning point for me and my thinking, because I think I had been taught to be like a liberal kid who was like, what? I don't see a wheelchair and there's no such thing as black people. And like, this was really important for me to realize like, oh, you can acknowledge difference in a way that's like respectful and actually like way healthier. Mm. And that book was really a great jumping off point. I also just love Asada Shakur's biography, Asada, so much. Like, it's just... She's an incredible woman. Yes, Incredible, indeed. and it's riveting, and her life is riveting, and I think she lays it all out pretty clearly. And then, like, any writing by Angela Davis, you just can't go wrong. Yes. For those who wanted that list, that's 13 must-reads for the Black Feminist in Training. Excuse by Ashley me. C. Ford. Ashley C. Ford, and it's a really good list. You'll know more just from reading the article. You Word. don't even have to read the books, but you should. Undivided Sisters, if you are looking for that book in particular, was written by Midge Wilson and Kathy Russell. Yeah. Midge and Kathy. Midge and Kath. Oh, Midge Kath. and Kath. They need a podcast, Midge and Kath. Midge and Kath. Yeah. And now Midge and Kath must be like getting on an age and just like fighting in a fun, crotchety way. Oh, they must be fun right now. I hope they continue. I hope that they're another rounding it somewhere else. <laughs> continuing to be divided sisters. Oh, on that lovely note. I know. This is great. You guys, yes. it's a true honor to be here. And Aww. for anyone who wonders, they're just as luminous in person. Aww. It's true. It's true. We are. It's and true. a little more drunk. 
it's also true, true. Also. <laughs> Lena, thank you so much for stopping Thanks by. For Please come back me. whenever. Come Yay. back soon. So if you want to check out more of what Lena's up to, you can subscribe to Lenny Letter at LennyLetter.com. Comes out every Tuesday. You guys know we're a fan of Tuesdays. Mm-hmm. And you can subscribe to her podcast, Women of the Hour, right now, wherever you collect your podcasts. So iTunes, Stitcher, et cetera. Et cetera. I literally don't know how to find a podcast. So no I have what an just... Android is. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you can find it everywhere and on BuzzFeed.com. heaven what up what up it's that time again what time is it time to buy another round for somebody okay <laughs> i like that song bank it bounce bank it bounce <laughs> go, go. Uh, jc's like jamming our song i now. am i am who are you buying around for this week okay so this is one of million tv shows i watch <laughs> <laughs> the netflix show bojack horseman mm. so wait what was that mm. You already have a lot I'm of sorry. thoughts. No, I tried to do it and I couldn't. But really? Yeah, I couldn't. Half of this is going to be me pitching it to you. Okay. You've already tried it? Yeah. All right, well, let me repitch it. Okay, please do. <laughs> Reconvince me. Okay, so the premise is basically he's like a washed up uh, like 80s sitcom person or 90s sitcom person. Mm-hmm. He is a horse slash human. It's like okay. a humanoid, humanoid horse. A humanated horse. Humanoid horse. Don't play me. <laughs> <laughs> I like humanated. I'm um, gonna say it. And in that in that universe, there are like animals proper. There are like the hymns of the world, which are like half human, half animal. Right. And then there are just like regular, like animated humans. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's a good mix of two things that we like. Me being sad and depressed. Okay. <laughs> I didn't mean to say I like that. I mean, <laughs> two things you talk about a lot. Okay. I talk a lot about being depressed and sad. Mm-hmm. You talk a lot about animals. I love animals. And puns. <laughs> and this puns? is a show about all of that. Mm. So basically, like, premise is like, he is like gonna like restart in this new movie. He's writing a, like a memoir, et cetera, et cetera. So parts of it feels a little like too much insidery, like Hollywood satire. It's like, all right, this is for like 10 people who have TV shows. <laughs> right. <laughs> but like there are fun parts of it. Like his book agent is a penguin from Penguin House. <laughs> or like stuff like that. You know you what I mean? You should have led with that. There's a penguin in it. I'm in. Yeah. So they're just like little things like that that are fun. But then also like just it has nothing to do with the plot. But like in the background, you can see like a. A crocodile wearing Crocs, <laughs> or like they're in a courtroom and someone says "your otter" and the judge is an otter. <laughs> so I feel like it's a good mix of him being like depressed about life, talking about like anxiety, and then Tracy's puns and animal shit comes through. Yeah, so it's like a little, a little, a little mix of both. It's good. And there are some things that are like so beautifully put that I actually use it to describe like being depressed with people. Like what? Like he has in this season two, it's in season two now. Mm -hmm. He has a thing where he talks about like, I just don't understand how people have the energy every day to continue. Like Mm -hmm. every day you wake up with energy to go on. I genuinely cannot fathom that. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, send this to some people (laughs) when I'm trying to explain what I'm talking about. This horse gets me. You know, just like simple things like that that are like a part of like mental health vocabulary. Mm -hmm. But if you're not aware, like you wouldn't know. Oh, one tiny thing I forgot to mention. There's a BuzzFeed reporter in the show. No. And he is black. No. And he is voiced by Wyatt Snack. No. So Wyatt Snack is basically playing us is what I'm saying. (laughs) How has 
why I never mentioned this before. This show has a lot for us. Oh, and Loki is about us in one tiny moment. <laughs> Who are you buying around for, Tracy? Well, my round is very um, timely because it's hot as fucking here and I'm buying around for ice water. <laughs> so here's the thing that I've noticed about places that are not the South. Okay. People seem to enjoy drinking room temperature water. <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> I feel like I do. Why? I mean, sometimes you're like, it's really hot. I want some really, really cold. Right. Other times you just you're just thirsty. No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sorry. Tracy rejects that was this. Not, no, <laughs> we're not gonna allow this. I'm not signing off on that. I just love a nice, big, frosty, chilly glass of ice water like when it's really really cold and you can just like feel it making its way through like your oh <laughs> yeah well, you can feel it yes, yes that's it fun i'm not gonna lie that's fun feeling it's the best <laughs> feeling and okay like so let's pretend for a second that i can see your case for not wanting to drink super cold water not when it's always also, well it makes sense that people wouldn't want to drink something cold when it's cold outside i get it I get it. I don't even mean when it's cold outside. I know, but I know that there are people okay, who you know are I'm like that. I'm going to okay. go with this premise of right, yours. Right, right. <laughs> that would make sense to me. Just like I don't like to um, like drink hot stuff when it's hot outside. I don't do like tea or like soup or anything yeah, when it's really, really sometimes. hot. I get it. I get it. Okay. But what's the rationale for me sitting down in the middle of June in hot ass New York and being brought a glass of tea? room temperature water that's not it doesn't make any sense well hopefully you're in a room with air conditioning no there are so many restaurants and bars here that do not have air conditioning that's a different situation then no anywhere if it's hot outside <laughs> i want cold water and also it's like a teeny tiny cute little glass of like tap water i'm like excuse me can i have some ice please and they get like kind of huffy and puffy like yeah one moment be right back i see you have a lot of feelings on this i do i just love ice water i noticed that when i went home every restaurant that i went to gave me ice water and i'm like this is how the entire world should operate ice water i just love ice water i'm still not understanding what world you live in where you can't have that where i can't have what ice water yeah but then also i'm i'm saying you don't always need ice water yeah i do if okay. I drink water, I want it to be like unnerving. I thought cold. you said you had sensitive teeth. I do. How do you I don't switch it around? It just goes like <laughs> over my tongue and but like still. No, it doesn't. My mom has sensitive teeth and she doesn't like ice water too much. Not yeah. ice water, but like a lot of ice in her drinks. Yeah, I've I've gotten pretty good at making sure that it doesn't like chill out on my enamel. All right. I should stop questioning this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm unmovable when it comes to ice water. Shout out to ice water. I care I about still, you if nobody I else cares. I want to be clear that I also care about you. <laughs> I'm just saying I have other, you know, loves. Uh, I get offended. I get personally offended when I'm giving room temperature water. I don't get it. I don't right. get it. This one's for you, ice water. This one is for you, ice water. I'm writing in ice water for president. Oh, man, heaven, we did it. Tracy, we made it. Hey. <laughs> Tracy, we made it. Uh, we want to thank Lena Dunham for rolling through. Yay. Listen to her podcast, Women of the Hour, coming out on BuzzFeed next week. Shout out to the Pod Squad. Pod, Pod Squad. Squad. This show is produced by Eleanor Kagan with editorial oversight from Jenna Weiss Berman, a.k.a. our Pod Mommy. 
um, with <laughs> production true. help from Julia Verlon and Meg Kramer, who we have missed so dearly since we've been out here in L.A. Um, and thanks to L.A. for hosting us and showing us a good time and um, giving us tap water. Yeah. <laughs> Room oh, man, temperature water. <laughs> Thank you to our in-house musicians. That is the amazing Jean Grey. You can follow her on Twitter at Jean Greasy. And Don Will from the Almighty Tanya Morgan. You can follow him on Twitter at Don Will. That is D-O-N-W-I-L-L. Thank you to Optimus Prime. <laughs> Thanks to that, Tracy. <laughs> As always, you can find us on Twitter and Facebook at Another Round and email us questions, advice, mm, scenarios, mm. local news stories. <laughs> Literally anything. You can send us anything, yeah. guys. <laughs> you can send us hate mail. We probably won't read it. Why? Send it anyway. No, don't say that. Why I mean, they if, send you, us hate mail? if you feeling froggy, you want to jump. Okay. <laughs> you can send us mail at anotherround at buzzfeed.com and rate us on iTunes if you feel so moved. We would love it. So really quickly, I wanted to mention that I was recently on the WMYC podcast, Note to Self, and I and my coworker, Katie Natopoulos, were talking about how to diversify your bubble. If you want to take a listen, please do at notetoselfradio.org. Take your meds. Call, call your mom. mom. Do some stretching too. When you get up in the morning, just stretch. Get all of the kinks I'm and stuff. I'm still a out. big fan of backing up your data. Have you backed up your data yet? I have. I'm all oh. caught up. I'm all yeah. caught up. Well, be like Kevin, everybody. Not like yes, me. Yes, get like me. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go home. Let's go back to the East Coast. Oh my God, yes, please. Bye, everybody. <laughs> Barack Obama's emailed me in a mass way. <laughs> the jealous, real Barack or the Barack that spams all of us? The Barack that spams all of us, but every time I'm like, finally. <laughs> I'm like, Barack has finally emailed me. I'm like, he oh found me and it's my time to shine. <laughs> mm, mm, mm.